I'll ask anybody's questions but yours, if you're an idiot. My wife can score more than two buckets on 11 shots because I know my wife will at least shot fake one time. I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Welcome on in to the Made for March podcast, Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. And Tim, we've got some lists today on the pod. Who doesn't like a good list, right? I love it's the summertime it. rankings are the best. and yeah. rankings are the best. They're the, both the best and the worst thing to happen in the entire media industry. So we're going to get to Jeff Goodman's top 50 list. But before we do that, be sure to check out the show wherever you get your podcasts. Download, rate, subscribe. And you can find us on Twitter as well, at Made4March. That's at Made, the number four, March. All right, so Jeff Goodman releasing his preseason top 50. I think the best way to do this is to just go down the list, bunch things into 10, who we like, who we don't like, maybe some shuffling that needs to be done as well. All right, so we'll start here with the number 50 through 41 team. So I'll read them in order from... Worst to best per Jeff Goodman. So at number 50, you got Stanford, then comes South Carolina, Northern Iowa, Miami, Boise State, USC, Austin Pay, Michigan, Ole Miss, and SLU, St. Louis University. So of those 10, where is the major discrepancy that you see? Well, first let me say, not a lot of big names that you just rattled off, right? I know we're starting in the back here at the 50s, but... I gotta say, I would when, say of this, there's one big name. Yes, and that is Michigan. Yeah, and that's that's my biggest discrepancy. We can get to that in a sec, but just a a quick point on this, and I think Jeff Goodman even alludes to this off the top of his article that not a lot of love for the the blue bloods or you know when you we'll go down further on this list, of course, and there's not yeah the top it, is jumbled. Yeah, the top's, top's got, jumbled. It's kind of like a little last football year. vibes to it. Yeah, it's um, it's a lot of teams that are returning starters, and he he leaned heavily on experience, which I think you often do when you're doing. These and I think threes. that's going to be important this year, especially. Yeah, but I mean, just in this top fifty, you got Stanford, South Carolina, Northern Iowa, Miami, Boise State. I mean, these are schools that have not really done much on the basketball court in the past four or five years. So some newer teams, Northern Iowa is one of those mid-major teams. But yeah, Michigan, I think, is the biggest discrepancy from this list for me. Now, the thing with them is Sean D. Brown, the Wake Forest transfer, averaged 12 points per game at Wake. Pretty good player, was a highly rated recruit. He's still waiting to hear on his eligibility. So... I, I would assume that if he gets eligible, Jeff would alter his personal rankings here. But I've seen Michigan pop up in the top 25 in some of these way too early rankings. They lose Xavier Simpson, but their front line is going to be excellent with Wagner back, Livers is back. And then you bring in some talent in terms of Hunter Dickinson, a top 40 recruit at the center position who... He's, he's fantastic. Yeah. I, so is Mike Smith. The, right, the grad transfer. transfer from Columbia. I mean, this is a guy who averaged almost 23 points a game last year and was a pretty good distributor as well and a, a very solid Columbia team. Again, you look at some of the transfer eligible players that they put out between you look at someone like Mike Smith or Patrick Tapay. Both of those guys were heavily sought after. And Tapay goes to Duke, Mike Smith goes to Michigan, two yeah. big time programs. Yeah, and not to mention last year. When we would have done this, 
I think Michigan would have been ranked around this portion, maybe a little bit higher, but I was pretty impressed in Juwan Howard's first year. As was I. We didn't get to see the ending like all these other schools, but I mean, they had that stretch in the preseason tournament battle for Atlantis, I believe, was the one that they won, if I'm not mistaken. It was, yep. Mm -hmm. And guess what? That would have punched their ticket to the Final Four. (laughs) It would have. You're right. Based on my (laughs) theory. Your favorite theory. Yeah. That's a good point. For those of you who are new to the show, whoever goes to the, and wins the battle for Atlanta is pretty much a shoe in to go to the Final Four. If you look at the, the teams that have won it the last couple of years, Villanova, Virginia, Syracuse. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good indication of who ends up going to the Final Four. I'm not saying wins the championship, but you're going to the Final Four. Wisconsin, yeah. another name to, to throw in there as well. Yeah, and they vaulted all the way up to from unranked to number four, I think it was, in AP after winning maybe that. Three, yeah. But yeah, yeah, maybe three. They went from unranked to top five. And not even say. receiving votes, yeah. I'm pretty sure, to top five. Right. And, I mean, so they came out of nowhere last year. I would, I was pretty surprised to see them at 43 here, especially if Brown gets his waiver passed and he is eligible to go. I think they're definitely a force in the Big Ten. Their record will probably be pretty average in terms of an overall record because the big Ten's going to be big good again tough yeah. yeah it's gonna be really there's a lot of big 10 teams that we will get to on this list all right any other discrepancies that you see in here i think i've got one i'll go to the mid-major ranks here yep and that's northern iowa this was a team that was really good at shooting the three ball last year and they're bringing back most of their their shooting when you look at guys like aj green trey barrow um, all those guys are coming back. You're, you're not losing a ton in terms of, of your firepower that that was so good for this team from a season ago. And I know, I believe they lost to Drake in, in the, the conference tournament, but this is a team that can shoot the ball. And I think they, they're definitely a team that has that March Madness kind of sleeper vibe to them. And even though that sounds cliche with a team like Northern Iowa because of that run they made a couple of years ago, I guess more than a couple of years ago now, but about a decade ago when they made that run, I I liked what this team did last year. And I think that if they, they brought, they're bringing back a lot of those key contributors to this team and that they can actually make some noise and I think are a little bit better than their 48th pen penning right here uh, from Jeff Goodman. So that that's one of the teams that I would like to bring up. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like Northern Iowa as well. All right, let's go. 40 to 31, you've got Oklahoma checking in at number 40, followed by Colorado, Auburn, Arizona, Yukon, Purdue, Indiana, Ohio State, Memphis, and LSU. So my gut reaction to this list... I'll- a lot of Big Ten here that you just named, or at least it seems like when you're mm-hmm. rattling it off. Indiana, Purdue, I guess. But Purdue, I think, is a little overrated at 35. I I know they lost a ton. Matt Harms especially hurts, I think. Not like he was a huge scorer for you, but he did a lot of other things very well and was one of the more talented guys coming back. You return three starters at Purdue, and they've got a decent recruiting class coming in, but I, I think it's a little bullish to say that they're 35 just because they only went 16 and 15 last season it's not like they had some great team and and they lost some pieces from that roster they lost a lot of defense too yes and for a conference where defense is going to be so pivotal when you look at especially for big men 
it's gonna it's gonna hurt whether it was from transfers or graduation they're gonna be missing out on on some of the big men or some of the defensive prowess that they had and i think that's gonna hurt them a, a lot more than people think yeah also good to see yukon up there fairly high 36 has to be one of the better starting points for them we'll see if they get some votes in terms of the top 25 whenever we get to that which feels like it's forever away but they bring in Andre Jackson, a recruit I really like, number 51 in the country. Uh, Coca Coke is back and kind of battled some injuries, so maybe he kind of has a breakout year. I think James Booknight was really surprisingly very good for them as a freshman, averaging 13 points a game. Lose a couple pieces at the guard spot, but UConn, who I believe now they're they're officially back in the Big East, correct? Is that yep. next mm-hmm. season? Yeah. Yep, so, that starts next season. That's why their football program is doomed right now. Yes. Because right. I mean the AAC is not gonna throw out any flyers for them. They're not they're not given the the safety raft. Yeah. So I don't know. I think UConn we could see kind of a return to form for them. When you see a rating like that going back to the big east, they're gonna be a fascinating team to watch next year. Yeah, I like that pick. Auburn, I think, is one of the teams that was given a little too much credit. They're not bringing back any starters. Everyone's either graduating or going to the draft from a season ago. And to me, that's a little concerning. But I'm also starting to feel the way of don't doubt Bruce Pearl because he has been very good coaching and and making these deep tournament runs these last couple of years. So I'm going to I'm going to say Auburn's still being a little overvalued here. Again, they they had a phenomenal year last year. They were what? One of the last undefeateds as well in all of college basketball if I'm remembering correctly. Yep. So, they they went 25 and 6 last year, an undefeated conference or non-conference slate rather. And they they lose all the starters from that team who don't get to kind of play out their, their NCAA tournament with what was going to be a very good team. And you're bringing in a young, inexperienced group, and I don't know how well that's going to play. I mean, even the guys that are going to be playing, you're looking at a lot of guys who are going to be sophomores next year. Yeah. And you're essentially starting your recruiting class probably from a year ago. So it's going to be a very young, young team, and I don't know. That, that could pose some troubles in an SEC that looks like it got a little bit older. Yeah, and it does seem like a lot of these teams, they're – is like kind of two rankings for them. One, the current ranking. The other is if they get X player to get eligible and pass a waiver because there's so many waivers right. still up in the air. You look at Memphis, Landers, Nolly. Any other year, I think someone transferring from Virginia Tech to Memphis doesn't have much of a shot of getting a waiver passed. It's like what Sam Hauser did going to Virginia last year or going from one power conference to another. This year, maybe there is a shot because I don't know his situation specifically. I don't know if he is going closer to any family or whatnot, but I think it's worth appealing and it's worth uh, making a case for at least. So, you know, Memphis has a couple transfers coming in. LSU, another team, you got Sharif O'Neal is transferring. Uh, Josh LeBlanc also transferring from Georgetown. And LSU has just always seemed to have a ton of talent. The SEC, I think, is going to be sneaky good next year because you bring up Auburn loses a lot, but we'll get to some other teams on this list that I think are actually going to be kind of sneaky good out of the SEC as well. Yeah, I I like that LSU pick. And and Memphis, I mean, what Penny has done recruiting-wise too, and the fact that you're bringing in Nolly, that could be a a team that could be like a top 15 team in the country. All right. 
Let's go to the next 10 here. You've got at number 30, the Oregon Ducks, followed by Eric Musselman's Arkansas Razorbacks. Then you got Seton Hall, UCLA, Oklahoma State, who will not be eligible for the NCAA tournament, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, Texas, Florida. I like a lot of teams in this list. I think Florida State is always a team you and I are are pretty high on. We we've got some ACC bias, maybe a little bit on. By this the way, podcast. happy birthday to Leonard Hamilton, yes, the, the man who closes out our podcast every single week. He <laughs> he turned seventy two the other day, Tim. I know. Insert joke how there about on, that? on Twitter of of how is he seventy two years old? I saw those going around on but it is amazing i mean every by the way time i think i saw there are five acc coaches over the age of 70 really well it's, that's that's especially it's important Bayheim, now in covid times right yeah it's Bayheim, roy um leonard hamilton jim laranaga and k i believe are all over 70 years old so how yeah. about that the acc the uh the aarp conference <laughs> right well, Florida State, this is going to be a classic FSU team. And I feel like I said that every year. They do lose some of those guys that were mainstays for them between Vassell, Patrick Williams, Trent Forrest. But, I mean, MJ Walker's back. Our guy, Mini Zion, Raquan Gray, is back as well. <laughs> yep. And then you bring in Scotty Barnes, who is a top yes. recruit in the nation. Like a huge, huge get for Leonard Hamilton. I think that elevates them to a different status of talent in terms of what they have starting the year because they always on paper don't look that great and then they overperform you know great is relative I mean they usually look good but maybe not ACC contender good well they won the ACC last year technically I mean Swafford gave them the trophy around yep, everyone the banner. when they when they called the uh the tournament down there in Greensboro so I think Scotty Barnes for them Power forward coming in, number four recruit in the country, according to some uh, services. And, I mean, they just always overperform. And now they bring in a guy like Barnes, who's one of the best recruits they've gotten, really, in recent memory. Well, program history, really. Yeah. I mean, the thing, too, with, with Florida State is they do a great job at developing talent, too. I mean, I expect MJ Walker to fill in, a, in the exact role that Devin Vassell had. From, yeah. from a year ago. like That's just the way that this program works. Every year, you're filling in the holes. And I remember Goodman, he did a, a, a... He's been doing these assistant coach rankings per conference. And it's voted on, I believe, by some of the other assistant coaches. And there might be some players also that vote on it. But Florida State, I believe, had two of the top five. And that just shows you the development that happens down in Tallahassee with them. And then I expect... I mean, so... It goes through the other returners, Anthony Polite, Balsa Koprovica, uh, Wyatt Wilkes, Nathaniel Jack, and Raekwon Evans. One or two of those guys is going to be a big yeah. contributor next year, all right? They and then will. on top of that, you've got you've got uh, Scotty Barnes as well. So there's going to be no shortage of talent replenishing here in, in Florida State. Yeah. I think Leonard Hamilton's got a great staff. He's done a great job year to year. And, I mean, this program has picked up these past five, seven years. So yeah. hats uh, off to you, Leonard Hamilton. Happy 72nd to you. And I, know. Uh, I think this is going to be a, this is going to be a top 15 team in, in college basketball next year. Yeah. We, we always love Florida state. That's no shocker. And I will say Oklahoma state, 
remember I had kind of a love hate relationship with them last year. Longtime listeners of the pod might remember how I I yep. dubbed them the sleeper of the Big Twelve, and then they proceeded to lose like every single game in Big Twelve conference play. Um, I'm not too high on them. Maybe it's the sting of that. Still, I just felt like every time I watched them last year, they weren't very disciplined. They they just they have talent, but they lose a lot, and Likely's coming back, who I really like at the point guard spot. He kind of battled some injuries, and that was a big part why they started to struggle in conference play. But the whole cloud of not being in the tournament, too, I mean, I, I think this don't... year in particular, too, that's going to hurt. Yeah. Like, these kids are checking out in <laughs> after like the first week of training camp because they can't go to the, the tournament, and... Okay, maybe could this be the the COVID contender? Yeah, I just I don't I don't see them getting up for games. I never felt like they maximized their talent last year. Maybe it's just I don't love the the current coaching staff they have there, and and I I don't know. I mean, they've kind of just not had a they bounced around head coaches for a while, and now Mike Boyden's there, who's fine, but. You lose six key contributors from last year. Only one starter is coming back and likely. And yes, Cade Cunningham is filthy for all the same reasons as we bring up Scotty Barnes. That's one of the biggest recruits Oklahoma State has ever gotten. But, I mean, they just strike me as like Washington with Markel Fultz or a team like that that, especially now that they can't even make the tournament, I don't think they're going to live up to a 26th overall ranking. I think if they had something to play for, yeah, they would be yeah. a top 25 team and and they would be a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament. But they don't have much to play for, and who knows, maybe some players opt out too. I mean, that could right. be, again, we're starting to see it in football now where a lot of guys are opting out for health reasons, for draft preparation reasons. Could we see that with this, with this Oklahoma State team now? And see the opt-outs because they've got nothing to play for. I think that's that's a real concern that that could be a problem. Can I give you another team that is being severely undervalued? I here? think I know where you're going, and I'm right. UCLA. With you. Yep. <laughs> the Bruins at 27. They're bringing back five starters from a season ago. Most notably, Chris Smith, who made the big decision to come back. Tiger Campbell, I think, is a guy who can take a, a significant leap. And you're bringing in Johnny Juzang, who is eligible immediately as a transfer from Kentucky. So you're bringing back a pretty experienced group. You didn't lose a ton from a season ago. Really, the only significant loss was Prince Ali. And I I think, I mean, UCLA turned on the burners at the end with Mick Cronin. Yeah. Yeah. And if you give them a a fresh slate and, and a lot to play for, I think this could be a, a real contender. I mean, they went seven and six in the non-con last year, and then flipped that switch completely, going twelve and six in the Pac-12. This could be a very, very good UCLA team. And I mean, I lean more that this is a top fifteen team than a top thirty team. Yeah, I, I think they will be placed higher in the AP poll, and also Kentucky at twenty-four on Goodman's list here. I think he even admits he does right off the top saying. I know Big Blue Nation or something to that effect is going to have a problem with my ranking. Another example of a team that's waiting on some transfer news with Olivier Czar, another Wake Forest transfer after Danny Manning leaves. He bounces, goes to Kentucky, averaged 14-9, and nine, this big, tall, seven-footer, kind of what Kentucky really needs. This is a team that, you know, like every Kentucky team, loses a lot but brings in a lot of new talent. 
And I think Goodman was so reliant on experience, and you get that when you're doing these rankings. But, like, Kentucky, to me, we've seen it year after year. They're going to be probably a top 12 team in the AP poll because they'll get the big blue or the blue blood bump, I guess you could call it, where they'll rise a little bit higher. I think it's going to be Kentucky and Tennessee in the SEC again this year, which has become kind of a nice little rivalry there. And and two teams. I think you got to throw LSU's name in there also. Yeah, LSU. I, I mean Arkansas. The, the SEC has has some teams. Auburn, as we mentioned, is on this list at thirty eight. Arkansas, we haven't talked about, but they're twenty nine and and returning a, a decent amount from last year as well, as well as bringing in some good recruits. I I just think Kentucky. Don't get used to seeing them at 24. I mean, they're going to be a top 15 AP team, and they might struggle a little bit out of the gates. I don't really know if their roster has as good of a fit. I mean, they still have some question marks pieces-wise, but if they get Olivier Zars eligibility right away, I think that could go a long way for them. I look at Kentucky, too, and, I mean, no surprise, but they brought in an absolutely loaded recruiting class, and I think this is an actual, like... Sometimes the Kentucky recruiting classes don't pan out. This is one that I think could be really, really special. I mean, B.J. Boston played at Sierra Canyon, played alongside um, Bronny James and Zaire Wade, and I don't think he got enough credit because of the fact that he had to play alongside LeBron and Wade's kid because this guy was one of the best players in the nation in high school basketball, and he's going to Kentucky now. He almost feels like the Marcus Page shot of the of like the recruiting rankings right now of that Sierra Canyon team because there's the big headliner like oh like you've got you've got the the big shot right the the one that wins the national championship but like Marcus Page probably hit the bigger shot in that game right I mean yeah just in terms of impressiveness and. and magnitude of difficulty and circumstances that is an unbelievably tough shot to make it was probably the more impressive shot but you're going to remember the chris jenkins shot because it was the winner i think bj boston is kind of like that he was just overshadowed by the fact that he played with the kids of two of the greatest basketball players of all time yeah i i agree that's a that's a fun what do you think about Texas. I I can't really get a read on them because I have I a mean, new rule. So do for a you ready for my year. new rule? I don't get. I don't. I'm not allowed to make a take on Texas basketball until Big Twelve play is four games in. Yeah, I'm not allowed. It's to, like Arizona right? State, I'm taking, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm not allowed to make a take on it because yeah, Arizona <laughs> State is going to start the year at some point at number one or like top five in the country, and then they end up in the first four. It, it, it's just the the cycle of college basketball. It's just how it works. Yeah, Arizona State, we'll get to in, in this next grouping. I think they're severely overrated as, as a little bit of a spoiler there. It's They're going to do the same song and dance, and, and Texas probably will as well. But Texas did, they're bringing back every single player that contributed for them last year. And they're really not adding a ton, but it's like, okay, how much are those guys going to improve after last year? And I don't know what the, the status is with, with Shaka Smart in terms of how the Texas fan base feels about him, but... It does feel like they're due to see some progress there. By the way, speaking of SEC contenders, I think we do need to throw Florida into that. To yes, that mix I forgot about because that. they're they're bringing yeah. back Scotty Lewis, that which was a kind of a a big surprise to some, and then Keontae Johnson's back. Noah Locke, another guy who averaged double digits. I think 
Florida could be a, a very, very good team next yeah, season. Losing you're, you're bringing in hurts. Yeah, yeah, and and, and you're, you're bringing in a couple of uh, grad transfer. Yeah, some grad transfers and, and um, a couple of, of solid freshmen as well. But you've got a grad transfer in Tyree Appleby, who's coming from Cleveland State, and he's coming off a season where he averaged seventeen and five and a half, and. I think you're kind of filling the needs well. I mean, he should hopefully slot in right where, where Nemhard was and maybe not pick up quite to the degree that Nemhard had, but he could he could be a solid contributor night in and night out um, yeah. for, for Florida. So, all right, let's go to the top 20 here. And we start with Tennessee as the 20th ranked team, followed by Houston, Alabama, North Carolina, West Virginia, Rutgers, Richmond, Arizona State, Michigan State, Duke. Duke outside the top 10, which kind of surprises me a little bit, but we can get into that. But I know you've got a bone to pick with Arizona State. Yeah, well, also, how about Duke in the same tier as Richmond and Rutgers in a preseason college basketball (laughs) ranking? And Arizona State. I mean, this is bonkers. And Alabama. Yeah, yeah. All, all of these schools, pretty much. Houston. Yeah, by the Tennessee, way, I Alabama mean, yeah, they're, also they're in the middle of a in, football conference right here. Right. Alabama also in the SEC mix. Is the SEC, like, the second-best conference in college basketball? I think I'm realizing I, this yeah. as we go on here. I, I will say my big sleeper from this entire list, the team that I like um, more, really the most undervalued team in Jeff Goodman's top 50 here, I think, is Tennessee. I am all in yes. on Tennessee yep. next mm-hmm. year. I am Number right there with you. Number 20 on the list, but I think they're really a top 10 team because last year I liked what they did kind of in a gap year filling in for the loss of Grant Williams and after had that, they had that really good stretch. Admiral the, Schofield, yeah, too. Yeah, Schofield. I mean, really Jordan their Bone. whole team left. Yeah. And you, you do lose a couple guys. Bowden's gone. Turner's gone. But... What did they miss last year? It was it was scoring on the perimeter, scoring on the wing. They had the front line. They just didn't really have enough pop and enough fireworks in the backcourt. Now you get two five-star wings to come in. Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, Rick Barnes does it again. I, I really like the recruiting class that they bring in. A couple transfers as well. John Fulkerson is back. Pons is back, who is honestly one of the best defenders in all of college basketball. So... I, I think this SEC race is going to be fun to monitor. Some teams will underperform, but I think Tennessee will overperform. The thing about Tennessee, so that year, two years ago, when they had Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, the, the, so much of the focus was on that front court. And, and the backcourt really did a steady job of just doing their job, making big shots when they were asked from time to time. And just they were a steady force for that Tennessee team. And now... You lose Jordan Bowden, you lose Lamonte Turner, and you're thinking, okay, who's going to fill in in the backcourt now? But, I mean, you've got Santiago Vescovi coming back. I think the addition of Victor Bailey is a lot bigger than people think because this is a guy, he's a grad transfer from Oregon, he's been a part of a winning culture. I mean, I feel like Oregon is kind of the the Tennessee of the Pac-12, right? Yeah, they in are. In terms of yeah. the just the way that those two programs are are rolling these past couple of years, so and they're very veteran reliant on things as well. Victor Bailey could be very big for this team heading into next season. And and I I like that addition for Rick Barnes and the Volunteers. But I'm with you. I think Tennessee is closer to a top 10 team than a top 20 team 
I think Goodman got that one wrong. Anyone else you want to know? Oh, I, I, I actually want to get to this. I want to get to Alabama because this is a very, very interesting team. They got the big news that John Petty is going to come back for his senior year. He was great last year. I mean, th- this entire Alabama team was awesome to watch last year. Probably one of the more entertaining teams in college basketball. Not saying the best, but one of the more entertaining teams. They're going to bring yeah. on Javon Quinterly, who once upon a time was a big-time recruit, started his career at Villanova, and then transferred after... I mean, remember that whole debacle there when he put the the Instagram story of second choice right. for a reason after... Because he was a part of the... He initially committed to Arizona... Then the the whole fiasco with Sean Miller went down, so they he backed out of there, and now he's all the way down in Tuscaloosa playing for our guy, Nato. It's one of our favorite coaches in college basketball. And I think that when you look at this Alabama team, they've got a great blend of seniors and also just young emerging talent and, and a solid recruiting class coming in as well. They beat out some... Some SEC teams like Auburn for a lot of these guys that are in their recruiting class. So they, they uh, Nate Oates did a great job recruiting down at Alabama this offseason. Yeah, buying tons of Nate Oates stock. I also, you have to let me hop on my soapbox and talk about my North Carolina Tar Heels for a second. 17, All right. little disrespectful in my eyes. This is just such a wonky tier. This is the tier that really summarizes why we love college basketball. You got Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina, Richmond, Rutgers, Alabama, like Houston. There's just all this smorgasbord of teams here between some blue bloods who maybe underperformed a little bit last year and then some up-and-comers. Rutgers being ahead of of North Carolina. Who would have thought that if we were to do this last year? I mean, they were probably 50, 60 spots away. But obviously terrible, terrible year for UNC last year. So you can't put him too much higher than 17. You lose the best player, Cole Anthony. But Caleb Love is just another one of those typical UNC point guards that's coming in. And they have the best front court in the nation, hands down, I think. Between Sharp and Kessler, two top 15 recruits will slide in. They'll join Garrison Brooks, who's entering his senior year. Baycott is back, who... I thought maybe it was going to be a one-and-done type prospect when he came to UNC. Kind of struggled a little bit. But then also, Sternly Manley was out with injury last year. He will be back. I mean, this this front court is going to just get rebounds on rebounds on rebounds. It is truly going to be North Carolina basketball because you've got a run-and-gun point guard who's athletic, Caleb Love, and then you've got a tons of rebounders, and also it's the common Achilles heel with UNC, which is not really enough perimeter scoring or three-point shooting maybe might be the knock on them. We'll see if Playtech or someone like that can step up because the wing play kind of spearheaded by Leaky Black is a little bit suspect at the moment, but I think Love will slide in and be a key guy for them at the point guard spot. So they'll probably be back to North Carolina standard next year. Yeah, they're going to need Caleb Love to give them a lot of what Kobe White was from a couple seasons yeah. ago. Because if he can be the, a shooter and a scorer like Kobe was, then this team's going to be really good again. They're going to be just like that North Carolina team from two years ago with Nas and with Kobe White and Cam Johnson. And can I give you my Armando Baycott take? Yeah, go for it. And I don't it. know if you're going to like this or not. Okay. But he's going to put up a a Duke big man season. And, and that, that's a compliment. Like he he's going to look like the Jaleel Okafor, the Marvin Bagley. I think he's going to take a monster step year one to year two. Wow! Because I love this. he's probably pissed that he's not a one and done. 
I mean, we're talking about a guy who was, I mean, I, I think he's pretty well built for what the modern NBA is going to be like. And I mean, Baycott's got to be fuming that he he's just been knocked down a peg and, and essentially humbled. And I, I respect him for coming back for another year. I mean, he pretty much had the season that Nasir Little had from a year ago. And, and Nas went and he was a, a first round pick by the Blazers. Albeit he slipped a lot, but he was a first round pick. And I think Baycott could have went and, and been drafted. I don't know where he could have been drafted, but I think he would have been drafted. And the fact that he's coming back to raise his stock, I know we don't see a lot of guys raise their stock coming back from freshman to sophomore year, but he's one of the guys who I think, I mean, if he averaged 20 points and 10 rebounds, I think he could do it because he's got that talent in him. Yeah, so I feel like we should spend some time on Duke, but, and this isn't just because I'm a UNC fan, like, do we really have to? Because it's just Duke's same question mark same discussion yeah, if, we, if we did this show last year we could just copy paste and and you know what we should do it this year so that way we have it for yeah. next year when we it's, have it's to do like this the again same debate right i right. i don't I know mean, i mean they bring in to pay uh out of columbia who's a transfer there was kind of some weird murmurs that he was going to back out on duke after he committed he stays that's the other columbia transfer that you mentioned talked about mike smith to michigan Matt Hurd is back, Wendell Moore is back, and then it's just all guys that are really, really talented freshmen. Yeah, six and top fifties. Yeah, it's how many of how how much can Coach K maximize those guys? I mean, it's the same. Six dilemma. top fifties, zero top fifty or zero top tens. That that that's what Coach K has for for this year, and it's pretty similar huh. to yeah. to what he had a little bit from a season ago as well, where you had a lot of talented guys but it wasn't the necessarily coach k type of guy that he'd been getting the in years prior but yeah no i think again wendell moore's a guy who i think can take a significant leap i think he's definitely going to be in that conversation for acc most improved player and we'll see what happens i mean joey baker <laughs> is a junior for this team now and really he, he which which is stupid because he played the he should be a redshirt sophomore now but he plays that one game <laughs> yeah two seasons ago and, and burns a year of eligibility off, off his plate. So Duke, I mean, it's one of those teams that are ranked 11. Now, where will they be at the end of the year? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. And I think the fact that the ACC is kind of a, a limbo conference is where, what I would call them right now, because we don't necessarily know who's good, who's not. But I mean, Duke is, when you look through this entire list, they are number two among S or among ACC teams. So I yeah. think that, while while it looks strange seeing them at 11th, they're, they're just keep in mind they are the second ranked team in the ACC among this list. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think Michigan State too. The question mark with them is Josh Langford. I I don't really know how to evaluate them because it's will Langford play after being injured all of last season, uh, which was really a bummer for them because obviously they were preseason number one last year. Yeah. All right. Shall we get to the top 10 here? Let's do we it. We start with Chris Beard and his Texas Tech Red Raiders. That's followed up by Creighton, Illinois, Virginia, Wisconsin, Kansas, Iowa at number four, Gonzaga at, thir- at three, Villanova at two, and Baylor getting the big news that Jared Butler is coming back, and they are the top dog heading into the 2020-2021 season. So a lot to digest here. I think 
shout out to the Big Ten again. That's going to be the conference next year in my eyes. I mean, mm-hmm. Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, that is not normally the cream of the crop in that conference. Three maybe. in the top ten here. Yeah, that's strong. And Iowa, I mean, they're bringing back basically everyone of note, everyone who was a key scorer for them last year. Plus, Jordan Bohannon was hurt for a lot of last year, so they could even be better than they were and playing against teams that lost a lot of people too. Uh, I would say a little questionable, I think, that Texas Tech made this list. That's maybe where I'd slide in Tennessee, and, and I think that's some of the big disagreements I have here. Texas Tech... They do fall into that category of, I'll just trust Chris Beard, and, and I totally get that because that's kind of what I'm doing with Virginia year in and year out now, but I, I think they still need to prove it a little bit more, and they lost just so many guys from last year between Ramsey, Morietti, Holyfield. They also just don't, I don't know who's going to be their anchor of the defense, because you think of that year that they went to the national title game a couple years ago, literally the last national title game, which is amazing. Uh, Tariq Owens was their guy, and he played great as kind of the back half anchor of their defense. I I don't know if they have that guy on on this year's roster, but I I mean, maybe maybe I'm too low on them. I I just think 10 is maybe a little bit too high. Usually I'm I'm pro-Texas Tech. Yeah, I think the the big question here is what happens with Mac McClung. Is he eligible? Is he not eligible? And this could I think he's a guy who could get that waiver for this upcoming yep. season. And if he gets that waiver, then Texas Tech is definitely a top 10 team because they're going to have some scoring punch in them with Mac coming in, with Kyler Edwards returning, with Terrence Shannon, who I thought had a, a really good freshman season for this team, even though he had some questionable shots at times. But I really like what this Texas Tech team could be, and especially if they bring in Mac McClung as well, and, and he is eligible immediately. But again, that's a, that's a big if in, in the current climate. Um, I think the interesting thing about the two teams at the back end of the top 10 being Creighton and Texas Tech is the fact that they both are losing a lot of big time players when it, whether it's Jameis Ramsey for Texas Tech or Tyshawn Alexander for, for Creighton. But the theme of the top eight is no doubt returning players yes. for the for their respective teams because Illinois probably has had the best offseason of Pretty much any team in, in college basketball by getting the news that Io, Desumu, as well as Kofi Coburn are coming back. And now they've got one of their most talented teams since that 05 team. Um, and then they also did a very good job, Brad Underwood, that is, going out and getting some some pieces to fill out the rest of the roster. I mean, Adam Miller, top 30 guy. Um, so that that's going to work out really well for this team. They bring back everyone's favorite, Georgie Beneshlavi. Um and I mean, I, I just think this this Illinois team is going to be a, a top five team at some point. I don't know when that point is going to be, but they are going to be a top five team. And they play in the Big Ten. I mean, the Big Ten. Here's the difference. So the Big 12's got three teams in the top ten. The Big Ten's got three teams in the top ten. But here's the difference between those two conferences: is that the Big 12, after Texas Tech, it really drops off. All right. I yeah. mean, you see West Virginia dabbling there at 16. Okay. Oak State. But after that, yeah. it's yeah. It, it, there's not much to to look forward to in the the Big 12. The Big 10. I mean, they're littered throughout this list. I, I don't yeah. have the the exact numbers on me, but just by eyeballing, they've got the most teams on this list. So I 
I think Illinois can be very, very good this year. Um, Wisconsin is bringing back pretty much everybody from a season ago. And talk about a team that knows how to navigate through uncertainty and just adapt on the fly. It's Wisconsin. And and then Iowa, another another one of those top teams on this list. And they're – I mean – Illinois had the best offseason. Iowa got the best news out of any of these teams on the list when they got Luka Garza back. Yeah, I mean, he's the best player in college basketball returning, I would say, no doubt. Yep. I looked at some title odds, courtesy of Odd Shark that I found online. And so Gonzaga, Virginia, Villanova are the top title odds, all collectively each plus 1,000. Kentucky is right behind them, which is the the blue blood bump there at plus 1100 kansas another blue blood plus 1200 michigan state plus 1200 duke plus 1500 iowa plus 1500 and then michigan who was 43 on this list is plus 1500 so they're one of the better title odds i was surprised illinois which i guess makes sense because they've just struggled in the tournament plus 5000 to win the title hmm. even though they are number 8 on this list. So they're behind teams like San Diego State, Texas, Oregon, Ohio State, Florida, Louisville even who was somewhere in the top 25 I think on Goodman's list. But I do like yep. Virginia again this year and that's not a shocker obviously, but I mean they're basically trading Sam Hauser for Mamadi Diakite. And their starting lineup. They also lose Braxton Key, who was a nice piece for them. But Kihei's back, Jayhoff's back. Will the ten size back, who really grew on me as the year went on and got more comfortable. Um, one of those community college transfers who stepped up his game. And Casey Morsell is someone who will probably take a leap next year. He's going to be one of those classic Virginia players. He was too highly recruited not to be. Struggled a little bit at times in his freshman year because it's, it's a tough learning curve going to Virginia, but that's why I like Hauser because he spent a year already learning the pack line D, and we know he has the offensive game. The question mark really is it's a dip in defense going from Diakite to Hauser, but, I mean, it's Virginia, so their defense is, is going to be there, and, and that's why I feel very good about what they have going into next season. I would say, for me, they're, they're just on the fringe of the top three. I think there's a clear cut top three though, that Goodman had, maybe you could shuffle it up, but Baylor, Villanova, Gonzaga are, are pretty clearly in, in a separate tier in my eyes. I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, Villanova didn't bring in a single freshman to their class and that's because they didn't have to. And rarely do you get to say that about uh, any college sports team that you just don't have to bring in a, a freshman because that's just how good and how deep they are, too. I mean, they're only losing one guy, and that's Sadiq Bey. And, and yes, that is a huge, huge loss. But Jeremiah Robinson Earl had a fantastic freshman season. Colin Gillespie is that staple senior or elder statesman point guard that Villanova's had consistently over this little dynasty that they've kind of put together. And then you've just got a number of guys off the bench that I think can be really good. You've got Cole Swider. You've got you've you've got Baby Arch on your team now, right? Chris Archidiakono is on the squad. Yeah. So uh, and Cosby Roundtree, Demir Cosby Roundtree is another guy who who maybe can take that step here in, in his senior year. So we'll see what happens with Villanova. I think they're going to be a, a very interesting team. And then Baylor. I mean, this was a team that I think both you and I liked to to potentially win it all from a season ago and they got cut short and it's it's kind of 
upsetting to me that I'm not going to get to see Freddie Gillespie try to win a national championship. But you've got Jared Baylor and Mark Vidal coming back. And Masio Teague, Davion Mitchell, I mean, that that's a very, very strong group of four that's coming back for this team. And then Villanova got the, the weird news that Philip Petrosev is, is going overseas to play. He's not even going to go to the NBA draft. He's going to go overseas and try to pursue yeah. basketball over there after what was, I believe, just his freshman season. But uh, a number of, of good players coming in to the to the Gonzaga program. Yeah, I, I, Gonzaga was my pick to win it if there was a tournament last year. So I'm I'm rooting for them. I'm also rooting for Baylor. I think we should get used to seeing Baylor kind of dotting some of these AP polls for the future. That was really big that they got Butler to come back because now they go into next year as one of those eight teams, which, I mean, it says a lot about the program and how far you can make a leap in a couple years to be an AP top five team on the heels of a really good season means you've, you've kind of arrived and you know, they've had some struggles athletically because of several things off the field, football wise and, and the rest of it that has not been good. So good to see that their basketball program is kind of on the rise. It's really the question for them is Tristan Clark, which Tristan Clark is going to show up and will they get enough production from the front court because they just have outstanding defense on the perimeter and another very balanced roster. I mean, basically a good chunk of their team is back and they were really good last year. So it's kind of amazing that, you know, usually Baylor, a team like that, you would think they'd have just one year where they'd pop based on having five or six guys line up as seniors and stay together and some four-year players. Well, a lot of those guys were two, three-year players, and they were still playing like four-year players last year. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Made for March. Be sure to check out the show and download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And also be sure to, to check us out on Twitter at Made the Number 4 March. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys with another one of those recruiting redos next week. The game was over.